City First, good morning. Everybody, who's excited to be here today? Come on, let's be excited to be here. Can we welcome Kate Quarrel? Can we welcome our God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy, City First Anywhere, and thank you for being here, and happy Father's Day. Now listen, if we've been talking a lot about Father's Day, if that is a surprise to you today that it's Father's Day, you might be in some trouble, but you still have some time. So after service, go get your dad a card, go buy him some meat, probably not any flowers, but just go get him something, all right? Honor him today. So listen, I got thinking about how to start Father's Day today, a Father's Day message, and I thought, you know, should we have an axe-throwing contest up here just to get started? But I figured they're going to do that at Dad Fest after the service. Then I thought, should we just bring some confetti down? But I thought, you know what, that's too girly, and the maintenance team's going to be too angry about cleaning that up. So I come to the conclusion that we got to start with some dad jokes. Is that all right if we start with some dad jokes? Now listen, these aren't just dad jokes, these are biblical dad jokes. So these are like above and beyond amazing, all right? So you may want to get your pen and paper out. This might be the only thing you write down during the service, and I'm okay with that. All right, here we go. So who was the greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible? It was David. He rocked Goliath to sleep. Come on, somebody. Thank you for that. The drummer just added to that. That was amazing. All right, listen, that's not just the only one. We have more. What kind of car would Jesus have driven? A Chrysler. A Chrysler. Now listen, I know you got to spell that out a little bit. All right, listen, we got more. Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? It was Samson. He brought the house down. Remember, he pushed the road. Okay, we got it. All right, last one. Why couldn't Jonah trust the ocean? He knew there was something fishy about it. Listen. All right, we could go on and on the whole service with dad jokes. They're corny dad jokes, but listen, if you want to use one of those at lunch today, if you, someone wasn't here, make sure you make them laugh at lunch, all right? We're going to continue our series, though, Endless Summer. We're going through the book of Proverbs. We're picking out one verse each week, and if you missed the first two services, Pastor Jeremy talked about, uh, he, he talked about watch your mouth, excellent message about just, just speaking the power of your words. And then last week, Kyle Rogers talked about check your group text. Amazing service where he talked about the wisdom of other people around you. And today we're going to talk about Proverbs 15, 29. That's going to be our main verse for today. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. And it says, the Lord doesn't respond to the wicked, but he's moved to answer the prayers of the righteous. He's moved to answer the prayers of the righteous. Now I want to remind you, we can't do anything to be righteous. Jesus has made us righteous. So what it says is if we've given our heart to God, God is moved to answer our prayers. And in my mind, there's no better day to talk about prayer. And by the way, the title of the message today, if you want to jot this down, is Your Bravest Prayer. Your Bravest Prayer. And there's no better day to talk about prayer than on Father's Day. In fact, did you know that in the New Testament alone, the word Father talking about God is used 268 times just in the New Testament? But the word Father in the New Testament, it's not just talking about a dad when it's talking about our Heavenly Father. I want you to jot these two things down because these are the parts that this word makes up when they're talking about God the Father. The first part is there is an intimacy in this relationship. There is a strong closeness and intimacy, and we're going to look at that here in a minute. But the second part of this name, or this word, when we're talking about God the Father, means out of intimacy, we obey His word. Now, you've seen a lot of children where they obey just because they don't want to get in trouble. That's not what we're talking about here. 
We are talking about a close, intimate relationship with God the Father, and out of that, we obey His Word. And what we're going to do today is we're going to lay some foundations. We're going to look at the Father heart of God, and then we're going to talk about prayer and what God really wants us to do. So I'm going to read to you two scriptures, and what I want you to be looking for is those two things, intimacy and obedience. Our first one we're going to start with is in Matthew 6. And it says, but when you go to pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Now listen to this next part. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now let's, did you see it in there? Did you see the two parts, the intimacy and the obedience? Let me help you find it. In that bottom part, it says, the Father who sees you in secret. Did you know that one of the names of God is actually El Roy, which means God sees you right where you are? So wherever you are today, God sees you. And it says it right here, but then it goes on and it says, not only does he see you, but he knows you. He knows what you need. And this word know means that God turns his attention to you And that he experiences it with you. That's what that word means. He's not just talking about, hey, the angels told me what's going on. I get it. I know what's going on. No, no, no. He turns his attention to you. And he experiences it with you. And God says, when we have that intimacy, when I see you and I know you, then here's the only thing I want you to do. I want you to ask me. I want you to come and I want you to ask me. Ask me for what you want. Ask me for what you desire. Now, there's a weird thing about this verse, because it says here, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. So you might be wondering, well, Derek, if he already knows, if he knows me so intimately, why do I need to ask? And I'm really glad you asked that question, because that's important here. And you may want to write this down. Now, I'm going to ask you to write down three things during this service. And if you've heard me speak before, listen, it's not required to write it down, but the ushers are going to check on the way out if you did write something down. So it's not required, trust me, but I want you to write it down. This is the first thing. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to know someone. Okay, the primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but it is to know someone. And see, when we come at prayer with this attitude, many times we pray, and if we don't get it, we're disappointed. Well, God, why don't you love me? Don't you think I'm worthy? Why don't you answer my prayer? But see, that's not the purpose of prayer. God wants us to get to know him. But many times we look at it the opposite way. We think, well, prayer is like asking God for wishes. In fact, when our daughter was younger, our oldest daughter, Reagan, we were reading her a picture Bible, and it was the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And this picture came up. It's a little bit strange, actually, but this picture came up, and Carrie said, what do you think Jesus is saying to this woman? I remember in Carrie's voice, she was just so, oh, let's get this as a really good biblical moment, a character-building moment. And Reagan looked at the picture, and she said, listen, lady, you got two wishes. (laughs) I will never forget this moment as long as I live. And you got to admit, the picture is a little bit strange. I don't know. I never point at someone like this, but for whatever reason, Jesus was. But many times we look at prayer that way. We think Jesus is like this this, uh, Aladdin in a bottle where we get two wishes, and that's what we're going to get. No, no, no. God says the primary purpose of prayer isn't to get something, but he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. 
Let's look at a second part where we see the father heart of God. That's found in Matthew 7. It says, Or what man is there among you who if his son asked for bread would give him a stone? So let's talk about on Father's Day, if your son or daughter comes to you and says, hey, I'm starving, you don't give them a stone and say, good luck. Go eat this, right? That's not what a father does. Or if he asks him for fish or fish and chips, however you want to look at it, would he give him a a serpent? But if you then being evil, now listen to this, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who what? To those who ask. Do you see? God says, listen, I want to have such a close relationship with you that you come to me with every desire, every need. All I want you to do is ask, and my job as your heavenly Father is to provide. In fact, I've got three children, and I expect them to come ask me for things. Right? I expect them, if they have a need... I want them to come ask. And in fact, if they don't ask, I actually am am a little bit hurt. I wonder, am I not approachable? Do they not want to come and ask me for these things? Now, we may not say yes all the time, but when my middle daughter Lauren comes and says, Dad, I want to buy these basketball shoes for basketball season because they're the prettiest ones out there, I have to say yes, right? I mean, that's the reason that she's buying it. We don't care about basketball. We've got to look good on the court, right? Or when my son says, Dad, what about getting these Yeezy slides, which I had no idea what those were, but apparently they were really popular. And Carrie, apparently we have a shoe problem at our house because all my examples are centered around shoes. But either way, when they have a need or a desire, I want them to come and ask. And that's exactly how our Heavenly Father is. In fact, God is your source, and He expects you to ask for your daily needs and desires. See, in Psalms 35, God says he delights in the prosperity of his servant. Now, that word prosperity just means when his children do well, he delights. And that word delights actually means to dance around and be excited. Can you imagine when something good happens to you, God is up in heaven dancing around and is so excited because he delights in the prosperity of his servant. Let me give you an example of this. We were up in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago to visit my oldest daughter at college, and we were going to a Timberwolves basketball game, actually a playoff game, and if you know me, you know I love basketball, and we were going, and going to this game sounded like an amazing idea, except when we got there, we realized that the Timberwolves are terrible, and they have no chance of winning, but either way, we, we still had a good time as a family, but as we were driving around trying to find a parking spot, my oldest daughter, we drove by a theater that had the sign Hamilton above it. And Dad said, or Reagan said, Dad, I forgot to tell you that they're playing Hamilton here for the next couple weeks. Now, if you have no idea what Hamilton is, like I didn't about a year ago, Hamilton is a musical about Alexander Hamilton and the start of the United States. And my daughters have watched this on Disney Plus probably 20 times, if not more. I've actually never watched it all the way through myself, but I know how excited that they get when they watch it. And immediately when she said to me, Dad, it's playing here, she actually didn't ask, can we go? But my father heart said, I would love to take her. And so that night I got online and I said, all right, are there any tickets left? There was a couple tickets left. The ticket story is another whole story. But we ended up buying the tickets and going. And we got in and we sat down and we literally sat in the very back row. You could not get any further away. And I remember my first thought was, man, I wanted this to be so amazing for Reagan. I wish we could have been closer. I wish we could have bought better seats. 
immediately the lights went up and I turned over and looked at her face and her face lit up. And I remember I wrote in my journal that night, I will never forget today because of the look on Reagan's face and how excited she was about being there. And I felt like at that moment, God said to me, why do you think I'm any different towards you? Why do you think I'm any different towards you? See, I lit up. I was excited. Even though it wasn't exactly what I wanted, Reagan's face was so excited about being there. God wants the same for you. See, God, let's give God a round of applause for that. So listen, today, I want you to remember, God wants an intimate relationship with you. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't have that intimate relationship with God, today is the best day to do it on Father's Day. God wants that intimate relationship with you, and out of that intimate relationship, he asks us to obey, and what he tells us to do here is ask. That's what he wants us to do. So here's what we're going to do for our remaining time. We're going to look at two stories in the Bible where Jesus met two men, and he asked them each one simple question. And I think God is asking us these same questions today. And here's what I want you to do. In every one of these stories, I want you to look for the intimacy and for the obedience of each one of these men. So our first story is found in Mark 10. Now it says, Now Jesus and the disciples, they came to Jericho, and then they went out of Jericho. I'm a little confused by this verse. I don't know if they just ran in and then ran out, but that's what it says in the Bible. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, and I want you to remember that, we're going to come back to that, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Remember, he began, he began to ask. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then, then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. I want you to think about this. This man was crying out to Jesus and how many other people were around him. And Jesus stood still. And I believe today the Father is standing still for you when you are asking. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called to the blind man, and I love this. I'm sure they ran over to him and said, hey, remember how we were telling you to shut up and be, be quiet? Be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him and said to him, now remember, I told you I was going to ask you to write down three things. This is the second thing I'm going to ask you to write down. This is the question that Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus. There's no small talk. There's no, hi, I'm Jesus, what's your name? He goes right to the heart and says this, what do you want me to do for you? Now listen, I know Jesus wasn't reading the Bible. He is scripture, right? But the man is called blind Bartimaeus. It seems pretty obvious what he would want, right? But he wants Bartimaeus to ask. He already knew what he was going to ask for, but he says, listen, out of our relationship, I want you to ask. And look at what he says. The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. He knew that God, that Jesus was the one to gift him this, and he said that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now on Father's Day, I want to look at this because I believe there's something here that I've never seen before. If you go back and look at his name, Bartimaeus, the first three letters, B-A-R, actually mean son of Timaeus. 
So I find it interesting that his name is son of Timaeus, and then right after that, it says the son of Timaeus. So we know who his father was. My question for you in this story is, where is his father? Now listen, it says that Bartimaeus was begging for money. And obviously people knew who he was. It sounds like he, this was a normal spot for him. And I got to tell you, I'm not ripping on, Bart or on Timaeus, but I wonder, where was he? If one of my children were out begging for money, I would do everything I could to help provide for him. Now, he may have been out just getting dinner. I don't know, but I have the feeling that his father had left him. Either he was passed away or he was not there. But this man maybe had some earthly father issues of abandonment. He may not have known who his father was, and I love the father heart of God because remember, Jesus is there doing God's will. And so, yes, Jesus was the one asking the question, but I believe it's the father heart of God that comes to Timaeus and says, hey, listen, your father may not ask you this, but I'm here to ask you today, what do you want me to do for you? And I believe that God is asking us the same question today. On Father's Day, what do you want me to do for you? Let's look at our second story because it's very similar in John 5, it says, now a certain man was there with an infirmity for 38 years. Now, if you're familiar with the story, this was the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I want you to think about this. This man was at this pool for 38 years. Not three to eight years, 38 years. And if you remember the story of the pool of Bethesda, once the pool was stirred, the first person in was healed. And I just begin to wonder to myself, how in the world... After 38 years, were you not the first one in? Now, I'm pretty competitive. I love sports. I love to compete. He must not have had any competitive spirit in him. Because if he did, he would be the first at one point over 38 years. But here's my other question for you. Where was his father? You would think that his father, again, if he was alive, would be the first one there to help him and throw him in the pool. Right? Help him walk in. He would be there, but it never talks about his father being present in this story. And on this Father's Day, I want you to see these two stories of men who may not have had fathers or may have had issues with their fathers. They may have abandoned them, but I want you to know Jesus and God the Father never abandoned them. And in fact, not only did they abandon them, but they asked them these powerful questions. So let's look at the question that Jesus asked this man. He had been there for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew. You remember what that word knew means? He knows him so well that he turned his attention towards him. And in fact, he experiences it with him. He knew he had already been in that condition a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? Now listen, the first story was, what do you want me to do for you? This story is, do you want to be made well? Very similar questions. But in my mind, this man should stay up, stand up and say, yes. I want to be made well. Listen to his answer. We all agree that do you want to be made well is a yes or no question. Listen to his answer. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, wrong answer, let's go, guys. That's not what he said to him. See, he said to this man out of love and out of relationship to him, even though he didn't say, yes, I want to be healed, he said, rise and take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took his bed and walked. 
Now, here's what's interesting. If you read this full story, the scriptures insinuate that Jesus walked into town, walked past everyone else at the pool of Bethesda, and walked directly to this man. Do you think he was trying to build a relationship with this man? He walked past everyone else at the pool of Bethesda. And I've wondered to myself, Jesus, hey, there was probably hundreds of other people there. Why did you just walk to this man? He walked to him because he knew his situation. And he loved him so much that he wanted to know, I, he wanted him to know, I know you, I care about you, and I want to heal you. Here's the other interesting part about the story. It also insinuates that once he healed that man, Jesus turned and walked out. He walked past everybody else. He wanted this man to know how special that he was. And with both of these men, Jesus is inviting each of them to get in touch with their wants and desires and to answer honestly. See, in Psalms 37, God says, I give you the desires of your heart. Now, you could interpret this verse both ways, that God gives you the things that you ask for, the desires of your heart, but I also believe there's a second way you can interpret this, that God places in your heart the desires that you have. See, those desires that are stirring up in you right now to be financially free, to be able to pay your bills without worry, to be able to give, that's from God. That stirring in you, that desire to be healed, that's from God. God places these desires in you and says, listen, I give you the desires of your heart. I want you to come and ask. See, what I love about this second story is God did not, Jesus did not reject him for answering wrong. He just wanted to simply let the man know, I care about you. Because God knows what you want before you ask. But he wants you to know and believe him for the impossible. I'm going to say that again because we just sang a song, More Than Able. Your God is more than able. God knows what you want before you ask, but he wants you to know it, and he wants you to believe him for the impossible. What I love about that song that we sang, More Than Enough, is it says, at what point did I stop believing for the impossible? At what point did we stop saying, God, you've done too much for me. You've done enough. Or at what point did we say, I'm not worthy to ask God. Can I tell you that we don't get to define what's enough? God the Father gets to define what is enough. And he wants to give us the best gifts, good gifts that come from him. Let's look at Ephesians 3.20. Because this is going to talk about how God is able. And this is the amplified version. And it says, now to him who is able. Remember I told you I was going to ask you to write down three things. This is the third. I want you to write down, he is able. Take a picture of this if you need to. Now to him who is able. This word able, the root word is called dynamite, which we get our word dynamite from. God's not just out there saying, hey, I can do what you want. No, this is talking about power and strength. God is the God of the impossible. And he says, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose, and look at the wording here, and do super abundantly, super abundantly, more than you dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, or today we're calling it your bravest prayer, 
your hopes, your dreams, according to the power that is at work within us. In this verse, it tells us whatever you dare to ask or think, God wants to do super abundantly beyond that. When did we stop daring to ask God for things? When did we stop asking him for the impossible? I believe God today on Father's Day is telling us, listen to me, I want to have a relationship with you. And I'm here asking you, what do you want me to do for you? And I want you to know that I am able to do super abundantly beyond anything that you are going to ask me for. So this phrase, bravest prayer, actually came from a sermon that, a sermon that Mark Batterson, who's a pastor down in Washington, D.C., he actually did this about six years ago. And my wife and I listened to it with our life group. And this was really, really impactful for me. Because he talks about the bravest prayer, and this is how he defines the bravest prayer. He says, this is the prayer that you can barely believe God for because it seems impossible. It's often the prayer that you have prayed a hundred times that hasn't been answered, but you pray it one more time. See, this is the bravest prayer because remember, prayer is not about getting something, it's about getting to know someone. And what I love about his definition of the bravest prayer, where it's just that one that you pray one more time, even though it seems impossible, because he has a story behind his definition. And his testimony is amazing. And I'm going to give you some of the highlights. So he talks about as a child, he had asthma that was terrible, hospitalized him many, many times. And he talks about one time at age 14 when he was hospitalized with asthma, was in the hospital for a few days. And his pastor came and prayed for him, prayed for him to be healed of asthma. And he tells the story that he felt his faith was just stirred up. He was going to be healed that day. And so he went to sleep that night, woke up the next morning fully expecting to be healed of his asthma and realized, I still have asthma. But he said, I looked down at my feet and he had a lot of warts on his feet. And he said, the warts on my feet were completely gone. And he said, I actually started praying to God, God, I prayed about asthma. Did you get the lines crossed here? Did somebody else pray about warts and I somehow got that healing? And now someone else is breathing great and they're off running. He's like, I was actually a little bit angry at God for not, he answered this prayer, but I don't really care about the warts. I wanted to be healed of asthma. And he tells the story, but at that moment was the first time that he hear, heard God whisper to him. He said, it's not an audible voice, but he heard God whisper to him in his spirit these words. I just wanted to let you know that I was able. I just wanted to let you know that I was able to heal you. Let's give God a round of applause for that. And he said he carried that word with him. I just wanted to let you know that I was able for 30 years. He had asthma for the next 30 years, and then he began to get stirred again about what he calls now the bravest prayer. And see, now you can look at that definition again where he says it's the prayer you can barely believe God for because it seems impossible. He had been praying for his asthma for now 30 years, and it's often the prayer that you prayed 100 times that hasn't been answered, but I'm going to pray it one more time. And he said that's where this bravest prayer came up, and he said, I prayed it one more time, and I was immediately healed of my asthma. Let's give God a round of applause. And this is what I love about this story. 
Because when testimonies are given, the word testimony, the root word of that actually means to do it again. When testimonies are spoken about what God does in our lives, when God does the impossible, yes, it's to give him glory. That's the primary reason. But can I tell you that the reason for testimonies is to stir faith in your heart. Now, you may not have asthma today, but you may be asking God to heal you of something else. You may not need asthma healing, but you may have a relationship that's broken that you want God to heal. You may have a marriage that needs to be healed. Whatever your impossible is, use this testimony and have your your faith stirred up to know that God is able. Listen to what Oswald Chambers says. He wrote a, uh, a devotional, and he says, look at how we limit the Lord by only remembering what we've allowed him to do for us in the past. We say, I've always failed there, and I always will. Consequently, listen to this, we don't ask for what we want. Instead, we think it's ridiculous to ask God to do this. If it is an impossibility, it is the very thing for which we should ask. I'm going to say that again. If it's an impossibility, it is the very thing for which we should ask. If it's not an impossible thing, it's not a real disturbance. See, God is saying, listen, I'm the God of the impossible. You don't get to define what's impossible. I define what's impossible. And as God's been stirring this up in me, I actually read a book recently that I'd read before, but I reread it again called The Prayer of Jabez. It's an older book that they've redone, and it's a great book about prayer. And in the book, it tells a story, and I understand this is not a biblical story. There's no chapter and verse. But this story impacted how I view asking God. And he tells the story in there, the parable of a man who had died. And he met Peter, met him there in heaven, said, hey, I'm here to give you a tour of heaven. So he begins to give him a tour and shows him where his mansion is and shows him where the, the banquet table is. But the man looks off in the distance and says, hey, Peter, there's a warehouse over there. What is that? And Peter said, listen, we don't, that's not part of the tour. We don't go over there. Well, the man started walking towards this, this warehouse. And Peter's like, hey, listen, not part of the tour. Hey, we're getting off track here. But he kept walking anyway. And he goes into the warehouse, and as Peter chases him down, he opens up the door, and he sees millions of white boxes with red bows. And he says, Peter, what in the world is this? He said, hey, man, I listen, I told you this wasn't part of the tour. We don't go into this spot. But the man began to realize that every box had a name on it. And he began to think to himself, well, wait a minute, my name's got to be in here. So he begins to run, and they're alphabetized, so he's trying to find his name, and he gets to his box, and he pulls the box off the shelf. And he opens it up like a boy at Christmas to see what's in it. He sees all these amazing blessings in this box, and the man is excited. He says, oh, my word, look at all these amazing blessings. But then he began to realize, why are they in the box? So he says, Peter, what is this? And Peter says, listen, these are all of the blessings that God the Father had for you that you never asked for. And in my mind, in my mind, I thought, you know what? I know this story isn't biblically, there's no chapter and verse for this, but I'm not going to stop asking God for things just because I define what's impossible. See, if this is true, or even if part of it's true, I don't want my box to be full when I get to heaven. Because God the Father, just like we do as earthly fathers and earthly parents, we want our children to have as much and be as blessed as they possibly can 
your Father in heaven says the exact same thing today. In fact, in James 4, it says this, you do not have what you ask for, you, or excuse me, you do not have what you want because you have not asked God for it. Listen to me, folks. I don't know if there's actually a white box in heaven, but I'm telling you, God says he stores up blessings for you. And he's here to tell you today on Father's Day that he wants an intimate relationship with you. And out of that, he wants you to ask. He's asking us today, what do you want me to do for you? Not as a genie in a bottle, but as a father would come to their child. And he's saying to you, I am able to do whatever you think is impossible. So listen, we built in an extra minute or two in the service, so this is not a time to leave. Unless it's an absolute emergency, please stay. Because this is a time where we're going to actually take a moment and I want you to write down what your bravest prayer is today. Remember, it's the thing that you've prayed a hundred times that seems impossible, but you pray it one more time. And they're going to sing more than able during this time. And I want you to ask God and say, God, what are you stirring in my heart? What's the desire that you have placed there that I have stopped asking you for that you want me to pray one more time? Because folks, here's what I've prayed for today. I have prayed that Father's Day 2023 will be a a watershed moment for many people in this room. I am believing that what you are about to write down, you are going to look back and say, remember Father's Day 2023 when I prayed that bravest prayer one more time and God answered what I thought was impossible? I believe that today is the day for you to do that. So let me pray for you. Take a minute. Write down what your bravest prayer is. And again, if you think it's impossible, but it's been a desire in your heart, I want you to write that down. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for a day, God, that we can honor our earthly fathers. But God, we come to you on Father's Day and honor you for being the perfect father for us. And God, we thank you that you want an intimate relationship with us. You are not just a God in heaven that watches from above. You want an intimate relationship with us. And God, out of that today, we are asking you for the impossible. We are coming to you with our bravest prayers. And God, we are declaring today, you are able to do whatever we write down. God, we thank you for the answered prayers today. We thank you for the testimonies that are going to come from this to glorify you, but also to give faith to other people so that you may do the same thing in their life. God, we come to you according to James 4.2 and say we do not have what we want because we do not ask, for you, ask, ask you for it. And God, we are declaring today as a group, we are asking you for the impossible.